Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of Cult Following, your podcast, your source, your one and only stop for film news, film criticism, film discussion, and all things sinful and celluloid in the metro Phoenix, Arizona area. I am Victor Moreno. I'm one of your three hosts in this guide to cinematic discovery, along with Kirby Nelson and Joshua T. Ruth. Joshua and the new power generation. Uh, that was my impression of VHS intro. It's I like it. Yeah, I like it. It's good. <laughs> We're I could see the lasers in my head. <laughs> We're explorers in the deepest regions of cinema and celluloid, angels to some, demons to others. Join us multiple times a month here at cultfollowing.co on iTunes at Cult Following, SoundCloud, and everywhere quality podcasts are sold i also host a lot of the genre programming over at the alamo draft house cinema and we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the goings on this month down there because i hosted dismember the alamo yeah a very cool genre horror marathon of horror movies we're going to talk a little bit about some of the horror we've been watching we're going to talk about halloween the movie and the season. That's right, you guys. We're the third talk. film by the name of Halloween. Right. And pro- the first that isn't prefaced by the name of an auteur. This is not Rob Zombie's <laughs> Halloween or right. John Carpenter's Halloween. Right. I mean, uh, although I, I would be very excited. If <laughs> David Gordon Green's Halloween. <laughs> David Gordon Green's Halloween. Written by Danny McBride. <laughs> From the director of Your Highness. That's right, guys. But no, seriously, we're going to talk about uh, Halloween. We're going to talk about the interesting approach that that sequel took and if other films would benefit from ditching their baggage, yo. And we're going to talk about some other movies you should be watching in Halloween and some of my thoughts going into the programming of the Dismember the Alamo Marathons. You can get a peek behind the curtain at what makes a good marathon happen. Um, But we've been watching a lot of stuff lately and... uh, you know, uh, I think one of the things that uh, Joshua's been doing lately is he's been doing a 31 days of Halloween thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So what is that exactly? So here's the thing about it. And it's like, personally, in my opinion, because like there's a bunch of different um, ta- like hashtags uh, like of people doing various things like this. But what I don't know is like one to properly explain because the one I chose, which was the one that was most ubiquitous, was 31 days of Halloween. Yeah. Right. Which um, there are a lot of people doing 31 days of Halloween and there are a lot of people that are doing one movie a day. And there are also people that are not, you know, and I don't know, like watching one movie a day committing to I'm going to watch one movie a day sounds like a ridiculous concept to me because there's no way I can limit myself to watching only one movie a day. I know. Well, it's interesting, I guess. I mean, like, you know, all of us have jobs and it's like I realize how many people like never actually watch movies. I know. know? Right. And it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm like going to play video games. So, like the idea, I guess, in the current generation or generational mindset, like I'm going to dedicate two hours to putting my controller down. Yeah. does seem like something of, a, of an accomplishment. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I play my share of video games, oh, but like, I, do I don't too. know. For me, there's always a time later on in the day when mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm too tired for video games now. I like want to do nothing. Yeah. And that's when I put on a movie. But 
I mean, in a weekday, I'll usually watch one movie a day, but on a Sunday, I'll watch like three, four movies typically. So, and I mean, like on Halloween, I always watch two movies. And so like there was, if I did a one movie a day thing, it was already going to be a lie from the beginning. You know, it's like, I'd have to like make sure and leave movies out to keep to an arbitrary one movie a day thing. Um, So yeah, for me, I'm still saying 31 days of Halloween because that's still appropriate i'm right it's still 31 days um but i'm watching as many movies as i can within the month and i would say i'm probably gonna do about 50 yeah uh, by the time the month is over here which is you know it's is more than i usually watch in a month i know uh, to be sure i feel like if i was a more prepared host right now i would have like the sound file from donnie darko like till halloween eight days 14 (laughs) hours till 31 right. days of Halloween ends. Hashtag it's almost Donnie. time, kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> hashtag the, the they told me to do it. Right. Um, well, you've they got made me people do it. Sorry. Online that are doing like their advent calendar of Halloween. Right. Like, I mean, like I said, there's people like they have like a near religious thing with Halloween, and for yeah. me, it's just silly. But I mean, it's like whatever makes you happy. But my whole thing with the 31 days, I know we talked about before. I mean. There's a lot of people. I mean, you know, you know, they're not doing it. Like, they're not even coming oh, yeah. close. And it's like, I'm one of those people. I'm honest from the beginning. I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. But I cannot watch a movie every day sometimes because it's not just like work. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just life in general. It's like I just don't always have the time in which to do it. And I think it's funny. Like, I think Josh has the right ideas. He, you know, he kind of pooled a lot of his watching horror movies for this month, like in the spirit of the season, whereas. For me, I just watch them all year round. Right, right. So it starts becoming 31 days of documentaries fast. Because <laughs> right. like, yeah. there's just, that's just the way it works. Well, and yeah. I did, like, I did, like, purposely not watch as many horror movies as I could in, like, the couple of months leading up to it. And really, I'm probably not going to watch much, many horror movies for the next few months after. Um, and, you know, I'll still watch the ones that, whatever new ones that come out or, or whatnot. Um, but it was really interesting. I mean, I, I'm really happy I did this because I have been trying to see a lot of movies I'd never seen before. And it, you know, and I, and it's shown me like how absolutely uneducated I was with horror, frankly. And like, I'm not hiding that fact. I'm being upfront and I'm saying, look, I'm, I am trying to watch movies I've never seen before, but like, seriously, like yeah. previous to this, I'd never watched any lucio fulci movies Mm -hmm. not not one not a single fulci movie i'd ever watched before this month and i hadn't watched any mario bava i'd watched one um dario argento film yeah um you know and uh, like these are uh, and uh, i mean a lot of the classics i had never watched as well so you know i'm i'm very happy with it I think next month if I do this or next year when I do this, it's, it's going to be harder because there's a lot of like the obvious ones that I'm mm-hmm. getting out of the way. But um, I, I, you know, I do want to just say like one that I really loved was um, talking about like older movies. It was almost a uh, hundred years old. It's approaching was a movie called The Old Dark House, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, directed by James Whale, um, and it's uh, and I'm, this is a restoration, right? Well, I, I think I, it is because I remember hearing a lot about there it last is a year. recent restoration. Yeah, it yeah, looked beautiful. Like, I'll yeah. tell you that. So it's probably got to be a restoration yeah. of a 1932 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched it on um, on uh, sorry, uh, TCM. Chug. 
okay. Yeah, which, I mean, most of where I've been getting my movies have been Shudder, um, and then, like, Huluween. Um, I've been getting some off of that, you mm-hmm. know, Netflix. I mean, but most of the movies I'm getting are things that, like, I can easily have access to. Yeah. Um, there are a few things that, like, I've ordered on eBay that are still on the way that I want to kind of incorporate in there. Like, I ordered The House on Haunted Hill, which right. is a movie I've actually never seen as well. Um, and, um, and then The Witches, which I have seen, but I really wanted to watch The Witches. So oh. I got, I got that one on the way. The Witches as well. is a really good movie. I'm it surprised is. The House on Haunted Hill isn't streaming anywhere, isn't that? in the public domain it's yeah, possible it but i haven't yeah. found it's it it's, oh, it's not on shutter it's not on netflix I like think some are finally coming around i know there's a big um they finally start working out more at night of the living dead with mm-hmm. residuals and stuff i guess i mean re- at least recently well I, action i guess i think what it is with night of the living dead is the movie itself is in the public domain yeah. but if you take that movie and do something with it at once you start changing it, it becomes your own thing you can copyright. Yeah. So I think what happened was Criterion, like, mm-hmm. you know, they had this super, they had this print, they did a, a really gorgeous restoration of it, but all that work they put into it made it something copyrightable. Interesting. And, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Makes That's sense. the way I understand. Because trust a- me, I remember in the 90s going to like Blockbuster Video and they had like, you know, Night of the Living right. Dead, like the the bong version like basically it was like pop do you guys remember the pop bong up video? version do you guys remember pop-up video on vh1 uh, sure, of course. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. basically anytime like something this i gotta find this because it's so dumb the bong version yeah yeah what would happen is like there's a scene happening literally like a, a stoner guy would pop up it's like oh shit run and no then like way. a little green cloud would pop up that I, sounds incredible. This was around the if same. If this is, I look. If this is not like a drug, like based <laughs> hallucination of yours, I want it. I need to find it, the and question, if I will find it, I will. I will find this movie and review it on Cult <laughs> Following. The, the question is: Is it Tommy Chong or Puck Rainey from the <laughs> real <Puck>. world? <laughs> uh, I, I think this True was the story. same time of year that, like, we had <laughs> the same same epoch. Where we had movies like vampires, yeah, like sure, urban yeah. blade, kind of like let's let's market everything towards the urban market. They seem to like running movies, Crips oh. with a Z, yes, <laughs> zombies, Venom yeah, with a Z. Oh, these are man. all real movies. I people. also have that one for the underworld, the Bloods versus Wolves. That's yeah. a double wow. Z for you. Um, I was oh, gonna yeah. say, and that this was like also this is when Tales from the Hood. Oh, yeah. Tales, yeah, Tales from the Hood yeah, one and then, came out. And then not long after was Leprechaun the Hood. Yeah. And, right. Some other urban, yeah, horror. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I know you saw Tales from the Hood I part did. two. I did. But before I, I get into that one, I wanted to preface that uh, Victor and I, when we were coming back from Monster Palooza, we left at like eight at night from Burbank to get back to Phoenix the same day because Victor had to go to work. And literally, I think I want to say last hour and a half, we both almost crashed numerous times. Wow. And the only way we could stay awake was to discuss the first 10 seasons of the real world. Oh, wow. And oh, our, my God. Our, no, our this joy is completely of it. true. Yeah, yeah. We literally went through, especially the first three or four. I want to say up until, especially the San Francisco one as we mentioned puck <laughs> that we had to literally go through like every detail and then i started actually getting on the phone to find out where they are now speaking yeah. of another uh vh1 kind of uh uh pop-up video and uh but yeah it literally saved our lives so <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so you can say that real world saved your lives and we didn't even we, that's when we started getting real yeah we started getting real <laughs> 
We didn't even get into road rules yet. We actually got home safe, <laughs> well, so we didn't have to try to survive. Challenge. Holy cow. Um, yeah, no, I actually, speaking also of Monsterpalooza, when we were there, I actually did go to the Tales from the Hood 2 panel with uh, uh, director, produ- uh, director, writer, uh, Rusty Kindiff, and uh, uh, writer-producer Darren Scott. And uh, it was... Um, you know, it's the uh, same for, I mean, for those who've never seen Tales from the Hood, go see it now. It's one of the best horror anthologies ever. I've never seen it. Oh, but it's amazing. I, you, is, like, is it streaming on something? Tales from the Hood 2 is on Netflix. Tales well, from the Hood 2 is on one. Netflix. One is Shout Factory did a special okay. edition last year that is okay. finally does the film justice because... Yeah. Before then, it was just an out of print Blu-ray and out of print VHS. I remember when. So I was gonna say, like, I'll go to Zia on the way home and I'll buy it. I have no problem buying it, but Shout Factory shit's gonna cost like the same. It'll be like twenty five dollars. Yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, I think it's old enough now that it no longer is like in slipcover territory. Yeah, so so it drops ten bucks just from that. Like, so now you can probably get and Shout Shout Factory just had their Shocktober sale. Um, yeah. but it's generally like, um, you know, yeah, that is one of another one of our, 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 uh, fiscal horror forecast. <laughs> Dude, there was that episodes. thing you put on Instagram. It was so funny. Oh, which one? Like, it was like the, oh, I just got paid. I'm going to save my money. And then it's like, oh yeah, arrow. Sh- yeah. Criterion. Arrow and everything. Yeah, like Severin. Taking, yeah. It's true. It happens. Yeah. And they, they do so many releases back to back. It's getting really difficult to like. Budget. I know vinegar syndrome is trying to get in on that shit. Like we want our we want our pound of flesh. They do, and they they do great work too. And then it just becomes, but like Shout Factory are the ultimate scalpers because then they're like, oh, we also we just put it on a steel book, and now it's in four K right. instead of its original two K. And then we're also going to throw in a roll lithograph for you, which by the way, most of those have arrived incredibly damaged. Oh, so I'm sure. I don't like any. I, I, I just mean to say I don't really like the art they commission. Well, I like yeah, that some, the sleeves are reversible. Yeah. Well, it's nicely. I, I mean, some, some of them are Some like I the, really enjoy. The lithos are usually really That trick-or-treat nice. one was great. Yeah, the trick-or-treat was really good. Devin, actually, I just met Devin, also known as Devin Draws. He actually was at uh, Monster Palooza, so I got to meet him for the first time at the Cavity Colors booth, and he's a really, really nice dude. I bought a burning piece off of him. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so the Tales from the Hood thing was, it was, I really, really enjoyed the um, the panel, and the clips looked great that they showed. It's just, it's, um, Tales from the Hood, like I said, I mean, it's one of those ones where it's socially conscious, politically, like, progressive, but still had, like, lots of great scares. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, a like, a perfect balance of social commentary and like genuine horror do you think that so i've never seen a movie yeah. but you're saying it's like socially conscious and oh, yeah, politically yeah. politically progressive like do you think if that movie would come out now that it would be like decried in the same way that something like you know they attacked last jedi for supposedly having those things as well, well i think part of the whole thing of those is, is that like i think you have to have a sacred cow in the fight mm-hmm. and since nothing is sacred to me i don't care right like for me there's nothing sacred about star wars so i could care less i mean i never cared about the prequels i never cared. like i said i we brought up several times like for me rogue one is the best one i've seen because it finally got away and made its own thing. Right. So I think that the issues that people are is that both on all kinds of sides of that argument is, is that I think people it's that when they have something that they in video games too we t- you know there's a lot of different things that people become really like possessive about. But for me, there's nothing possessive. I, this film was always Tales from the Crypt was always intended, or Tales from the Hood 
excuse me, was always tended to be the classic amicus EC kind of um, anthology horror film. And it, the filmmakers wanted to bring the black experience into it and social issues that affect it, mm-hmm. but in a way that was, you know, I feel largely honest and true without being overbearing, without being yeah. preachy. Well, there's, um, there's a lot of like black exploitation horror movies. Sure, that, there like, is. Uh, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Black. Black and uh, Sugar uh, Hill. Blackenstein, Black Sugar and Hill. Well, there's also Blackenstein. Stein. Why did I say Blackenstein? Blackenstein. <laughs> that would Black be a Jewish Or even like, even Blackula and Scream, Blackula Scream have that. Yeah. You know? Well, I think there's, I mean, I think there's always going to be. That's even in the trailer. Where <laughs> do you think you're going? Boy, Jesus. you're giving me great ideas for next year's uh, 31 yeah. Days of Halloween because I haven't seen any of these movies. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I think that um, you know it's great that people. You can should bring... totally watch Blackula. The guy who plays Blackula is the king of cartoons from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Really? Yeah. yeah, that's great. It's it's great. Like a lot of the Black Station stuff, of course, is generally great. But obviously, like by the mid '90s, when Tales from the Hood was made in '95, I, mean, I think people. You know, it, it's got actually quite a few members. I think a couple of different members have been Living Color, which I was a huge fan of as a kid. Yeah, I think and David Allen Greer is. And yeah. there's, a, I think, one other, as I recall off the top of my head, not a major cast member, but a few uh, minor ones. Keith, and then Takeshi Knight Pulliam. Yeah. And then there's, um, of course, the great Clarence Williams third. Um, who, who who I heard actually isn't in. He is not in it. Keith David is taking his place. Keith David also being one of the greatest actors. Of, of the last 30 or 40 years and uh the he does the clarence williams role who's to be the crypt keeper the curator of the wraparound stories um the, this is a film where i think people yeah are going to be real divided because they go full political preachiness and it's not the scares are not there i mean that's most important because we're talking about a horror movie i mean they're really and the the scariest story you know, in real life was the, the, the end story is about the, uh, the murder of Emmett Till. And unfortunately, instead of doing it, uh, where I feel it would be like real justice in talking about that and showing it, which they do to a point, because I mean, obviously that was one of the most horrific crimes Jeez, in the civil rights era. an interesting thing to tackle in a horror movie. Yeah. And I, I almost can't do it without talk, talk about it without going into spoilers. But basically, it starts it towards the end becomes like literally um, the the uh, spirit of Emmett Till is of course the part of it, and then it becomes a literal like um, like uh, what do you call it a uh, Christmas Carol kind of thing of civil rights leaders and icons, and it starts becoming I mean it, it almost borders on parody. Huh. Like I thought it was it's got to be one of the like if the subject matter wasn't serious. But, I mean, I almost had to laugh because so much of it is, I mean, it's just ludicrous. Like, and that's the problem with almost all the stories in them is they're so, it, it's, it's like, it genuinely is almost, it, it's parody of itself. Like, I think the guy, the guys who made it have genuine intentions, but the way in which they present it, especially in the first and fourth stories is just, um, like as preachy as you're going to get, like into a point where, I mean, I just don't think there's a lot of enjoyment in it. And it has, I don't think it has to do with anybody's particular perspective. I just don't find it particularly enjoyable. Unfortunately, they also did not get the budget. So a lot of the effects are really not that great. But the, um, and then the two stories in the in between are not really, um, they're sort of like they try to do a Me Too kind of story, but it 
So is not... this really recent? This movie? Oh yeah, this it, it just literally came, just, just came, came out. out. Yeah. Wow. So one of them is like they kind of try to do a Me Too story, and the best way I can describe this is Creep Show Three. So uh-huh. um, if anyone has had the misfortune of seeing Creep Show Three, oh, you're life, not talking about Tales from the Dark Side no, movie, I'm like not you're expecting actual, actual Creep Show Three. Actual Creep Show Three that they marketed as. There is a story in there that actually almost reminds me of this. And then there's another story, which is actually kind of a great little, would be kind of like a classic Tales from the Crypt, shock suspense stories kind of tale. And they, but it has nothing, it not only has no political commentary, it also has no real horror either. So mm. both of them, like I said, are kind of weak. So you got like a sandwich where the two, the first and the final story would be really great if they hadn't gone so heavy on the commentary. Mm. And then it would have been the, and then the mill stories don't have either. So it just, it's such a letdown because I love this movie. And then the wraparound, um, is the best way I can try to It's the end goes full Robocop ED 209. And it's so funny because they're, wow. they're actually doing it. I as can't a even picture this. I, I, like I, I, what I'm picturing to, is glorious. You'll, you'll have to watch it, but I literally was like, this I waited for this movie for almost twenty five years, and because I love Tales from the Hood, and this is I mean, I I don't even know how to describe it to somebody like beyond that. I mean, like especially in light of recent events in in uh, the world today, especially. But I mean, like an ongoing issues. I mean, there's stuff in this movie that I mean, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I have a major major issue with people in the whole like uncle tom kind of thing and the the director and writer this do go that path and i really despise that it's just a vile vile um belief especially in the final story and it just starts becoming like i said like just a really like sad sad almost parody of itself mm-hmm. it's like you know it's just a classic uh black voices as long as they agree with us then it's all good and as usual but i mean that's I, that's something i'm always gonna have an issue with people have a right to their own opinion, and no matter where they come from or what they believe, you can challenge that opinion, but do not challenge it based on, you know, their um, race, sex, sexual orientation, religion, or anything like that. Like, just say it's a in you know an opinion that you want to challenge for that reason alone. Yeah. So, so it just kind of went off the rails. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's the best way to describe it. Like in the the social commentary. In the first one, like, I won't give anything away, but, you know, it covers police brutality. It covers the prison system and and the racism involved in it. It uh, has one of the best stories is, I don't want to spoil it, but it's the one with David Allen Greer is very powerful, extremely powerful. Wait, and you're I, talking about yeah, the original Tales from the Crypt. Oh, okay. Sorry, oh, okay. no, I'm talking. I said that <laughs> okay, was why cool. I said with the yeah. original. Oh. Because I, I didn't know I David Allen Greer, uh, yeah. he could have been in this one too. He could have been. Yeah. And he would, he, his performance is one of those ones in the original Tales from the Hood that is so good because it's not what you expect from him. Hmm. And that, I know we've talked about that numerous times. It's, it's so nice to see actors do a, a role polar opposite way totally. used to him and at that time he really was in living color was yeah. you know his comedic roles this is not a comedic role in any way so he's incredible it's definitely one watch it on your own see what you think um but yeah that was a big one for me um uh, you know and i'll keep it short and sweet the only other one i had on the netflix um tip i mean i watched a lot of other movies but the one I really invested a lot of time in because it was 10 hours was The Haunting of Hill House. Mm. Yeah, I'm so about three and a half hours into that. You know, I side feel by, like I'm yeah. like four hours in. Me, when, I can't really talk about it without spoiling it. Yeah. Um, 
And we can definitely talk about like the first three episodes since we have all watched those. Um, sure, sure. I feel yeah. there's a very interesting twist that happens with Eleanor later on. Like, oh, that's kind of messed mm. up. But I haven't I don't know finished if I've seen it. that twist. I, I think the the biggest thing about this this series, I'll say it in a more broad sense, especially for those who haven't seen it yet, is I mean I think a lot of people are going in, of course, and like it's Halloween and it looks scary. It's way more of a family drama. It actually yeah. reminded me a lot of Six Feet Under. Yeah, yeah, the, totally. uh, that series. Yeah. So I mean, I, which I love. It so. was weird because like you know you were talking about you you're getting the Haunting of Hill House the movie right. Uh well no um the, or, the oh, yes. House on Haunted House Hill. on Haunted Hill yeah yeah, yeah. Right. and then it's like this the next remake of that was the Haunting right with um Lily Taylor yeah yeah well yeah, yeah cool so the Haunting is like was actually based on a Haunting of Hill House which yeah. the series is as opposed to the House on Haunted Hill oh, okay which was made into that other movie but there is a 1970 uh, yeah, three this is like the third version yeah. Is what I'm yeah. yeah yeah but like I remember watching the Lily Taylor version and I'm like thinking. No. Dude, this is like <laughs> nothing like the TV show. Right. But I guess the TV show is more like the book. Yeah, the Shirley yeah, Jackson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never read the book. I mean, I always thought Shirley Jackson had kind of like a Which is a really weird thing, thing about humanity. Yeah. But, so I can kind of see that in this TV show. Me and my uh, my best friend Elizabeth, we were talking about how, because we, we watched it together and we were laughing at um We're not sure if it was just a fuck up or if it was intentional or just completely missed it. That was like a nickname. But there's the character Cheryl, but they keep calling her Shirley, like, numerous times throughout the series. Mm. But her name is Cheryl. So it's mm. like, is it supposed to be, like, some, or was that there and just didn't remember it? Mm. But it's just weird, like, little, um, like you were saying, pieces of the book. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, In my yeah. opinion, it's it's the best, the parts where it really succeeds are in that family drama oh, um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. you Definitely. bring up. And it's... Um, I mean, I think the acting specifically from the children is just remarkable. Um, it's oh, yeah. really, yeah. really good. Um, but where I think it fails, and unfortunately Flanagan has done this before, you know, cause this is for people that don't know Mike Flanagan and didn't hush and, yeah. and Gerald's game. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he just, he has these reliance on jump scares that I think yeah. just are really silly and don't work a lot of the time. No. Um, and the other thing he does too is like, uh, I, I feel like this is starting to hurt him to a certain, he uses the same people in all of his yeah, movies. Like, yeah. he'll pick, like, you know, um, uh, Carla Gugino is in sure. Gerald's game. Um, the psychic, uh, girl in this, uh, is his wife who's and like, she in was in Hush. Hush. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. In, ab- it, in absentia too, or Oculus, yeah, yeah, right. It's becoming. It's one of those things where the biggest part of this is, is that I will just say too, for those without spoiling anything, the last two episodes are so heavy on the the dramatic side. I mean, uh-huh. they're actually genuinely powerful. It's worth the payoff. But a big thing for me that was the scares, especially like the jump scares, like you said. Trust me, as it wears on, it wears old fast. Because they start using so many of the same ones. Right. They're just like, please don't do it again. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. And then they fucking did it's it again. Terrible. Like, it's such a bummer because it just feels so cheap to me. Like, I don't know. Maybe there are people that go really go in for jump scares. And if you don't put in a jump scare, like, people won't mm-hmm. find it scary. I mean, that's the only thing I can assume because people like find movies like the conjuring scary which i don't think the Conjuring's a bad movie but i don't think it's scary and like there's a ton of people like it's the scariest movie I've ever seen like i guess just we find different things scary i'm not gonna like talk down to them and say oh you're you're a wimp i'm just gonna say like we find different things scary but i will tell you 
the parts that really got to me were the parts that weren't at all jump scares, but like the part with the kittens. Like, yeah. oh that my, genuinely fucked with me. Like, you and, know, and maybe it's just like because I'm no, a cat no. person. It was and, gross, and, and it was, I know exactly what part yeah, you're talking about. Yeah. Like, oh, she's breathing. She's yeah, breathing. exactly. Is it just me? I kind of feel like if they had done that practically, it would have been way freakier. Yeah, but I kind of was still freaked out by it. Yeah. So, like, ultimately, maybe it was worth it. But of course, I'll always go for practical. Yeah, I know? feel like I feel they could have done that practically, but it was still a freaky thing. Right? Yeah, yeah totally. But it was, but it was even even just that part but it was the part afterwards with all the kittens yeah and you know and it's like and to me psychological slow burns like mm-hmm. that where i'm sitting there thinking about the the damage that that's doing to that little girl oh yeah because um, you can you see know? it later on in her as a grown right where it's like oh yeah i'm i'm so damaged and untrusting i'm going to fucking uh you know, well, I don't want to spoil it. Right, but right. Yeah, she but does mean, things based on this whole, like, self-reliance yeah. thing because you can't trust other people. Right. Yeah, it, like I said, it's well well developed as a, a drama and stuff. It's just, like I said, having finished it, I, I have a much more clear perspective. But it's one of those things, I mean, you're, you're hitting all the same points I would have hit at those episodes. It's just one of those things where, I mean, I don't invest much in these shows anymore. Like, I just don't have time. The terror was the last one I really made. I was I was determined to make that investment because I was really excited about. It. But more and more, I'm just like, and even with this series, I truly feel I will say this: they could have shaved a couple episodes right. off, and it that actually, seems to be the Netflix mo. Well, that, yeah, I guess that's yeah. the well. The everybody binges this, and then they always put in filler episodes. It's right, like yeah. it could be just think of it as a long movie. Yeah, but but I mean, it's a long movie that can no, no, do no, I mean, some they editing. Think, right. What I'm saying yeah. is, they should think of it as a long movie, not put in filler. Right. Because I remember, like, I watched uh, The Innocence on Netflix mm-hmm. not that long ago with Guy Pierce, and you know, it's like I don't know if you guys saw that series. I didn't. Uh, just basically, this girl she wakes up, she starts going through puberty, she realizes she's a shapeshifter, uh-huh. and it's like really problematic. It's like this Norwegian, basically this Norwegian production, but like. Dude, it's like it could have easily been like five hours right, instead right. of like eight or ten. Or and it less. seems like by shaving a couple hours, I don't think they would really lose any of their cachet, right? Yeah. I mean, if if the Haunting of Hill or of Hill House came out and it was seven episodes or eight episodes instead of ten, like would suddenly people go like, "Oh, that should." But I think that's, that's what Netflix. I was trying to say. I think people have this expectation. I think it's also what Victor's hitting on, hinting on that they like they literally people have such like a. Um, they've been conditioned to believe like this is what you expect like i find that with like people right. like with albums you know what i mean like music people go well the record was only like i mean i do think there is a um, a monetary kind of thing like uh-huh. if you buy like let's say an ep like yeah, an extended play point. records like yeah. 15 minutes worth of music or 20 minutes of music if you pay like five seven bucks i think most people feel like they got their worth i mean first of all nobody like really buys music uh, anymore for the most part but like i think a really I good well and sure, i know okay. a lot of people well, do. No, no, i'm not no. saying well, nobody I mean, no but you're right well most people buy they buy digitally or you know they do you know whatever download or they you know pirate because i mean most right. people still pirate there's a whole generation of people who believe art should be free and, oh sure, and yeah. th- so that's the that's I mean like a, you know not to 
I, do a can I, of I worms. Think but Josh I think... was touching more like on this whole like Spotify. Well, thing. I was just gonna say, oh, yeah, uh, no. yeah, I was gonna more talk about like uh, subscription, but but I was gonna say uh, like a really good example that uses exactly what you were talking about was uh, was was games, video games. Sure, because sure. like people like if a video game that's comes where I was out, actually right, going. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's like as soon as it's like it's the <clears throat> order, which was uh, yeah one of the shortest games, you know, because people are paying sixty or, bucks or even want... like the new Spider Man game that came out. They're like, oh no, now the chapter of the game plus or it's starting to be available for purchase or even like the new hitman game it's like oh pre-order now you'll get to kill sean bean you know <laughs> that's really? a pretty good pre-order well, i'm gonna I, be honest that, like, i will say that's the one clever thing about the hitman games they found this whole thing it's like oh vote on who you want to kill in the next funny. adventure like those games you know, are Gary really good Busey too. and all yeah. that stuff well, yeah well great. i just i mean I, no i think i know where josh is going i actually was going to bring up the video game thing i right. just me as a whole that yeah, it's. I mean, there's there's two different sides of that. There's the big long discussion about um, art and how it's bought and sold. But I think a bigger part to me is is just that like the mindset of how people are now is is that it's like Netflix. What do you pay? I mean, average ten. It's ten eleven bucks now. It's like for a month fifteen it's like, if you want four K. But yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. Like sure. you assess how you put that. If you want to put that in thirty days, how much did you pay? per day for your for your entertainment Not you much. use it every day and it's really fair like, yeah I mean, totally it's, it's you Easy. know but people are going well no 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 i don't want to pay that that's way too much so it's like you want to you you put a new show on it's only seven episodes i need at least 10 or 20 or whatever and it's like people start getting into this because right. we live in such an entitlement culture mm-hmm. that people are so like when it comes to whatever it is but especially things like art and entertainment they're like we absolutely we demand that we get this amount like right um and i feel like instead of the quality of the product it's the quantity of it yeah but it is interesting because like look at like uh the marvel shows that they do they're like 13 episodes i believe i think um uh, as well as uh what was it the the house of cards like 13 episodes yeah. so this is 10 it's already shorter so i mean i'm well, glad to I, know that they don't feel that they have to do 13 i think part of it is they have to have all the stats on streaming and they're realizing these seasons are just too long right i don't finish the marvel shows anymore oh yeah and now they're canceling them so you kind of know that bubbles burst yeah i mean they i don't know like i mean i brought this up. I, I i i fell off of those a long time ago yeah um, but, I, but you're also yeah. speaking to different demographics sure. too where there's people who are just like my whole weekend is going to be binging this show like i you know i yeah don't, you know and i don't and it's it's like you know i'm excited to see the new sabrina show next this sure. weekend so but I could care half a shit that Daredevil season three just dropped. Right. You know. Yeah. And well, also making a murderer too. This is and, curr- you know God. This is they, there's so much the, stuff. Um, Netflix stockholder meeting, right? You know, or right. Whatever, yeah. the corporate meeting. Well, yeah, I like, mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I prefer talking about like movies, but I mean, I realize like a lot of times streaming just falls into the same kind of thing. Well, Haunting Hill House, I definitely think is good. I mean, we're doing a Halloween episode here; sure. it's very topical. But yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I, I definitely also agree a, with it. Yeah. That's a great point, though, because I mean, we've talked about that in this podcast several times. It's been that. You know, television shows because of the the revival of the serial and binging mm-hmm. and this kind of stuff, it's become cinephile like, like where people are, you know, having these like right discussion and we groups don't, and, and culture. We don't really there. have like video stores anymore. Not sure. every state has like you know Bookmans or Zia or places you can easily go to like get movies. Like mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's funny to me. It's like if you go to one Best Buy, they might have a huge movie section. The other one might have one row. Yeah. You know? So, like, aside from Amazon, which isn't curated, your options for finding something just by random choice are very nil, you know? I will say that um, I like, like, kind of, like, the way that a lot of these are going, like, with Best Buy specifically, is, like, you'll go there, you don't find a lot of movies at all, but they'll do that thing where they'll do, like, a, a new release of Steelbooks, yeah. and I find that's, like, kind of all I'm going and looking for anymore, because genuinely, like... I'm not just going to go to a Best Buy looking for a random movie that I want because I know that there's, like, a very good chance they're not going to have it yeah. unless it's new. You know, I'll go to, like, Zia instead um, if I want just random movie because they're going to have a bigger selection. There's a lot more chance I'm going to find it there. But, like, what I do like doing is just stopping at the Best Buy to get the steelbooks. Like, I got the uh, those those Day of the Dead ones yeah. that I found out from you guys. Or, I think it was from you, Kirby. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I picked up the Jennifer's Body one, and I picked up the the Fly one. Yeah, um, which I just rewatched that last night, Jennifer's Body. Yeah, that's I, I rewatched that recently. Movie. It's very good. It's yeah. so good. It's I don't so think I'd ever seen it on Blu-ray, even. Like, I'd watched it on cable, yeah. but, like, the quality was very, very I like, good. I like the... Did you get the unrated version? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. That's the version to watch. I haven't seen it in such a long time. I couldn't tell you what the differences are. No, but... it's you get the the bigger subplot with um the, the emo kid. Like, oh, okay, there's all these you know and the, you know like you get the whole scene with his funeral where like Got fly it. with the dark angels and his mom. Oh, is so like... that's not in the original. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's that's a good scene, which is a yeah. heavy heavy part of that movie. Yeah, like, rewatching again, I really was like, holy shit, this is one of those brutal. Uh, death scenes i think i've ever seen in a movie like it, honestly it's really funny though how closely that movie hues to like heathers it's essentially right. yeah. like a demonic version of heathers but that's what i love about it and again and i brought this up when we talked about jennifer's body before and I, I think our best of the 2000s episode mm-hmm. but one of the things that i really love and it just really hit home with me is like I love the fact that there's really like no justice in yeah. um in Jennifer's body. I love that like even the jock guy is like good and he's like crying for his friend mm-hmm. and he's not like being a dick and trying to take advantage of her and he still gets murdered. Yeah. And you know, like the emo guy is not an asshole and he's kinda nice and, oh, yeah. and he gets murdered. And and the, the, the friend gets you know, it's like I love that well, like even all Jennifer's of like not even she's just like I like my whole take mm-hmm. on that thing is essentially when that ritual goes, you know, tits up, uh-huh. she she becomes a, a needy's Vessel. familiar essentially. Uh-huh. So she's just doing things to kind of get closer to needy for the longest until like hmm. you know she gets so hungry she turns against her. Right, that's yeah. interesting. You know? So yeah, everybody is essentially a victim. But yeah, in that I movie. love the fact because it's like the anti-Heathers in a way of like Heathers is filled with all these people that are shitty, terrible people yeah. that deserve to die, and like this is a movie of like really good people that don't mm-hmm. necessarily deserve to well, die. Well, I think it's also the kind of um, I I mean it was years ahead I think of the the real major research because there was like a couple definitive books and papers. But a lot of people have a major misunderstanding of Columbine. Mm -hmm. And I think the post-Columbine world, and a big part of it was that the idea that, like, um, Dylan um, and Eric were part of this trench coat mafia, and they were disliked and all this. And they, it wasn't at all like that. And a lot of the people they allege, and as it is with a lot of these cases, that people go, well, it was all bullying and it was all this and that. And it's never quite as simple as that is. Yeah. And I think that that was a part of which I actually have always liked about Diablo Cody's writing is, is that 
that is really the way the world is a lot of times. Not mm. quite as um uh what do you call it as quick of quips and comebacks. Yeah. But her but the way people really are, especially like young adults and no, stuff also and has that like, a lot. Just rewatching it, I was like, you know, aside from the dialogue, I mean like, you know, it, it's one of those teen movies where it's like it seems like it's cast really age appropriate, like mm-hmm. Johnny Simmons and Amanda Seyfried. Like, however you say yeah. it, I never get no, it. No, right. it's no, you, you, it's it, uh, it's Seyfried. Seyfried, yeah, very yeah, yeah, close. Yeah. But essentially, like, man, these are like teenagers. They look like kids. It's not like thirty-year-olds. You know, like oh, I'm a teenager. You know. Sure. It's Gabrielle Carteris or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's like one of the things I like about it. Even like you watching like, man, even Megan Fox doesn't look like some like sexed up blow up doll like she does in Transformers, right, you know? Right. She looks like a girl, you know? That'll be our next late night way to stay alive is we'll be doing our favorite Beverly Hills 90210 episodes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> also, like, but really, it's, like, it's it would be really interesting. I'm going to get into it. Like, I really want to transition when you said no. like, like sex doll into society right like, oh, I, I really want to transition i know this jennifer's body actually like plays very well yeah. on that spectrum i was but, almost, uh, I, I i don't know i was i was trying to think of like what I, I mean i think they live would be a very good um you know double feature with society mm-hmm. um but i was thinking so and i, I want to transition just a little bit here because like oh, and we can come back to it but like yeah. society's a movie i had also never seen um oh, that yeah. i saw for the very first time at Dismember the Alamo this last weekend. Um, and it was really interesting because I thought about like all of these like social commentary horror, mm-hmm. like in a, you know, I mean, action, if you're going to include like they live, but like all these things about the eighties yeah. are so much like really relevant right now mm-hmm. because like the time that we're in right now is so much like the eighties. Um, oh and, yeah. No, we talk about that all the time. Right. It's like, it's, it just tells you how cyclical things are, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But it's just like I don't know. Like for for the most part, like for those of you who don't know, Dismember the Alamo is uh, the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema. Every location, every year around Halloween, they do a mystery movie marathon. It's like uh, you know, usually like four movies. Um, and since Agfa's been Agfa, the American Genre Film Archive has been sponsoring it the past couple of years. Um, Whoever curates it has to pick two movies from their catalog, which is bigger all the time. So that's like not a problem. Yeah. And then two movies anywhere else to kind of like build a little cohesive marathon. And it's interesting because, you know, now living in the age of the Internet, like we can see like all the different lineups from all over the country. Yeah, there's totally. so many like Alamo draft houses. And since there's two locations here, I got to program both of them. And I decided to just like. Uh, you know there's a lot of different ways to program a horror marathon and it's like a lot of times like you go like oh i'm just gonna you know hit on a bunch of like you know easy crowd favorites or you know i'm just gonna go full obscure or you know just like what's in the market right now it's got to be a tough balancing act it is it is i think one of the things that was hardest about it is like I program essentially I program like four different versions of this, uh-huh. um, and two of them fell apart because movies weren't available for different reasons. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, like, now I want to hear. Well, essentially, like 
at one point or another, Trick or Treat was going to be a part of one or both. But okay. Warner Brothers isn't allowing uh, theaters to exhibit that movie right now. Okay. Which is weird because they just put out like... Maybe the reason why is because they just put out that new collector's edition or something. Maybe. All, all I can think is, yeah, maybe they're trying to maximize what they would get from a license from Shout Factory. Right. But I also think, too, as I understand, there might be some double features because the second one is coming. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. So. Or there might be rights issues. There's, There's always things tied right. up like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I think because I'm pretty sure that... um Trick or Treat was a legendary production, and at the time they made it, it was Warner Brothers, and now Legendary is at Universal. Definitely was legendary. Yeah. Um, in a way, like selfishly, I'm glad that didn't come yeah. through, just because like I always watch Trick or Treat on Halloween yeah. night. It's like one of my traditions, and like if I watched it before that, like I would have felt like now I can't watch it. On yeah, Halloween. exactly. You and know? then there was a point where there was an opportunity given to us where we could have played. Um, an advanced screening of a movie that isn't out yet. Okay. It's not like something obvious. Um, right. And I'll be honest, I really fought that because I feel like from what I've seen of that movie, it wouldn't play well as a Halloween right. film. Right. And I'm sure when it comes out, it'll play for better for when it comes out. Gotcha. Yeah. You know? Well, cause you, yeah. And, and the crowds, I mean, you know, again, I've only been to two dismembers mm-hmm. at this point. But it's pretty obvious, like, what the crowds are there for, you know? And they want gore, you know? Yeah, and that's part of the thing. Like, it's a balancing act because I'm, like, I'm trying to, you know, it's part of what we talked about where I want something that essentially, I'm trying to program something that essentially is going to hit a few buttons. Like, a lot of people haven't seen movies that are, you know, foundational. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, oh, I'm going to watch an old movie. It's a movie they've already seen. It's like a comfort blanket kind of thing. You know, so basically my my approach coming into it was like, all right, well, then the way I'm going to do this is like I'm going to pick an overarching theme that kind of hits on both mm-hmm. that both locations and then sort of like will work in different genre ways. So essentially right. when I did Tempe's Dismember, um, I was like, well, I, I I looked through all of the of the genre, of the Agfa's catalog and I was like, OK, well, there's Shocking Dark. Which, if you hadn't seen, it's a Vincent Dawn movie. Essentially, it's a ripoff of... Uh, have you seen Shocking Dark, Kirby? Yes, I have. Actually, Holy our shit. friends at Severin just put it out. Mm-hmm. I had never seen it before, but yeah, it is um, also crap. known as Terminator 2. Yes. Because yeah. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's actually a mix of several uh, ripoffs of James Cameron. Dude, and that, other that movie was film. such a blast to see for the first time with an audience. Yeah. You know, it really was. And like, I was trying to show a friend cause I was like telling a friend about it and I was like, you know, cause the whole movie's on YouTube, but it's not the, the restoration no. and it's just like the worst quality imaginable. And it just doesn't have the same effect as when you see a movie that's that just absolutely low budget, but like this beautiful restoration of it. Yeah. You know? Well, and the reason like I wanted that one in there, cause you know, there's stuff in the, in the act Keller, like the Hills have eyes and a lot mm-hmm. of like, you know, staples like the bird with the crystal plumage, lots of cool stuff. I was like, this movie's going to play well with the crowd. Yeah. And the way I started that marathon off is we did Slaughterhouse. Which, which I had never seen. Yeah, but if you went to a video store in the 80s, you've seen that poster. Yep. It's like the big buddy with like... Buddy has an axe to grow. Yeah. A looks big like, axe. <laughs> and it always freaked me out. Like, what the fuck is that movie about? Right. And then you watch it and like, what the fuck is that movie about? It's like essentially like 
a redneck version of Psycho, essentially. It's so good. Like, honestly, that was my favorite movie of the entire day. Yeah. It fits like, in well with Mountaintop Motel Massacre and Motel <laughs> Hell to me. Right. But there's, because there's just a lot of those films they made yeah. in the 80s that were that style, I yeah, guess, is the best exactly. way to put it. But it was, like, really funny, and, like, the music was so good. They were, like, always driving around in that Jeep listening to, like, the best synthwave, you know? And yeah. it was, like, but actual 80s music yeah. that all the synthwave is derived from. Yeah. Um, but it was all, like, instrumental music that was, like, sounds like synthwave. It was like very much, kid, like, the most stereotypical 80s kids ever. Right. I mean, like, to the point where I'm sure when I saw that in, in the 80s, I found it obnoxious, and now it's, like, weirdly nostalgic in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because a lot of this stuff, and this is the problem. Like, I haven't seen Summer of 84 still yet, but I can uh, already tell you out. that that's a huge issue I have, is is that that is not... I was in the 80s, too, mm-hmm. and it was not like that. Like, that's a big part of the problem I always have. I, I feel like, actually, weirdly enough, like, you should watch Summer 84 because it's more authentic because yeah. they're not really pushing a product. No, 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 I know. And the but stuff they just... do is stuff like the G.I. Joe walkie-talkies, which I actually had. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. No, there's realistic. It's difficult. It's just a real balance. Yeah. It also like, I feel like Stranger Things goes way more. This yeah. is, like, more balanced, well, I think. The, and, like, Stranger Things has it. I just, I guess the, the part of it is, is that... that I feel like with the whole 80s thing and nostalgia, and I bring this up frequently because I do have, I have a big axe to grind with it. <laughs> yeah, and but I, you realize like some, something like this, yeah. like a marathon, it's like you got to oh, yeah. play on nostalgia True. to keep people oh, in the no, seats. Oh, no, without yeah. a doubt. But, well, it's also, oh, and you have to play on interaction with the mm-hmm. audience and stuff and how it's going to work. No, I'm not down on yeah. that curation. What I meant, too, was is that I also think people forget that, uh, you know, different age groups and different mm-hmm. things. It's like you were talking about like, G.I. Joe walkie-talkies. That's more of, especially you and I, like probably our age group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but if you're looking at somebody like Adam, who's a little older, you know, his might have been like whatever, getting this first record or something yeah. like that. Which like, I think if you see movies like Dazed and Confused, you're getting that version of the 70s. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know? Well, it's also, too, that they, I always like how films try to put, like, kind of what we're talking about Jennifer's buying Heather's. Everyone goes, well, it was really, it was always these different groups in school. I'm like, no, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't. People crossed over into different things. It's people go, well, that yeah, was my it's experience. Like the and I'm trope like, of movies. Yeah, exactly. like in 80s movies, you see that, but then they're emulating the 50s. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. that's how everything is cyclical in that sense. True. No, 100%. Know? And that's, that's a good part of it. But um, yeah, no, I think that um, in terms of having, that's a real big part of it is the crowd pleaser part without yeah. giving in too much yeah and then slaughterhouse was more meant to be like okay because there's a few way different ways you can kick off something like that you can either kick it off with something really popular or something weird yeah if you do something or less known if you do something less known then you're building it up which it is a felt, great start yeah yeah because yeah, and then yeah because they're like basically with that one it's like all right i found here's the common things it's like okay he's like it's this weird processed food like you know <laughs> down with the man kind of thing so you know we and then it's like sort of cannibal 30 percent fat 30 percent fat oh my god that was so hilarious <laughs> so then the one the natural follow-up to me after that one was like the texas chainsaw massacre part two which i had also never seen yeah and i was surprised a lot of people hadn't seen it uh, like, that is a weird fucking movie man yeah i don't know it was weird because when it started like you could hear like the 10 people that saw yeah. it. yeah well i you... thought it was the first movie but yeah. I, had, I i only saw the first movie for the first time like three years ago uh-huh. so when it started that narration i thought it was the first movie yeah 
Um, but yeah. Yeah, the funny thing about that narration is it's super inconsistent between every movie. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And like yeah. some Sally True. dies and some mm-hmm. she's in a mental hospital. Right. Yeah. But, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two, part two, for those who don't know, it's, it's, if you've seen The Devil's Rejects or House of a Thousand Corpses, right. they're, they're essentially the same movie as so Texas it's, Chainsaw Massacre. So it's funny, Massacre it's too. funny because, like, I, that's actually something I said is, like, after I saw Texas Chainsaw 2, I said, Oh, I understand Rob Zombie now. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I just, that, that whole, like, oh, we'll just throw it against the wall, just over the top, like, dialogue where people are talking over each other constantly, things where it feels like they just went with the first take, you know, basically this whole, like, I don't know, like, people were, like, coked out of their gourd kind of approach mm-hmm. to filmmaking, um, which I, I mean, I gotta say, like, I didn't love. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Um, it uh, I, I can understand how people would like it. Like, and maybe if you kind of came up with it, or maybe when you saw it in its time. Mm-hmm. I know I, I talked with Adam a little bit outside, and Adam loves it. He likes it a lot more than the first one. Yeah. Um, and I would just I did not have that feeling with no. it. Um, well, you you would not you would not be the last person to think that. Uh, Canon hired Toby Hooper to do Texas Chainsaw 2, uh-huh. and what they got was this weird <laughs> 80s horror comedy about, right. like, a cannibal family that sells their victims as, at chili at carnivals. Right. You know, and they're like, this isn't the movie we paid for, and yeah. apparently it, like, ruined Toby Hooper's relationship with Canon, because yeah. he had done, like, Life Force. Sure. and Bears from Mars. He got a three-picture deal, and they said one has to be Texas Chainsaw 2 will let you do what he really wanted to do is a sci-fi movie and we read the space vampires they gave it to him mm-hmm. and life force was like and it is still a per, uh, an absolutely incredible movie fuck yes it is and it so is in veers from mars Love remake it. it's thank just, you thank they you did a great job on both and it's the texas chainsaw 2 let me say of course i always tell people the same thing texas chainsaw 73 74 because uh, of its release here it's made in 73 released in 74 is my second favorite film of all time it's a perfect film. Um, but the issue was, is and Toby Hooper is disgusted because there's Toby Hooper. It's Toby Hooper has a relationship with Kim Hankel, mm-hmm. the, the writer and, and um, you know, his cohort in Texas Chainsaw, like the way George Romero and John Russo do. Yeah. And Kim Hankel got to do his own Texas Chainsaw. He did in the next generation also do out from shout factory or shortly. But what it is, is that Texas Chainsaw, I think Toby Hooper knew there was no other way to go except fucking Buck Wild. And so he just made the most over-the-top crazy movie he could make as because the 70s was a very rural Texas, a very, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Texas is rural to begin mm-hmm. with. It's huge swaths. But by the 80s, you know, you start getting into it, and he turned it almost into this weird, like, spring break fever kind of thing yeah. with the chili cook-off contest and how, you know, his comments on capitalism and consumerism but then he also did, uh, you know, he made it. I mean, I find when I first saw Texas Chainsaw 2, I found the scenes, the opening scene and the scene with Stretch in the radio station pretty damn terrifying. Because if you really put yourself in that place, I mean, it, it's it, that's more oh, like no, the Carolyn original Williams. Texas. Yeah. Carolyn Williams deserves all the accolades she can for that role because she's playing it completely straight in that movie. And I feel like, you know, like somebody in that situation mm-hmm. living in fear. Oh, and yeah. And then you've got her acting opposite Dennis Hopper, who I feel is in a 
different movie than everybody. I, I wanted to see that movie. Yeah. Like honestly, I wanted to see the movie Dennis Hopper because he Hopper? felt like he was in like a I don't know like a like a from dusk till dawn. You yeah. know, like well, no, he's <laughs> essentially yeah, he's like he's he's like a from dusk till dawn. He's essentially uh Wydell from uh Devil's Rejects. Well, I feel if Dennis Hopper had played it more crazy and done more like bases. People would feel about the way they feel about Nicholas Cage, yeah. which is like I said, it goes back to that's my criticism. Like when we talked about Mandy, as part of these things with people's expect, it starts. It's like well, almost like a meme culture of things where people, like you're saying it, like it's like both are. It's like yeah. I want to see the movie from his perspective, like his story more of you know, it, which would be harkening back to the original. It's a I gritty story. I totally don't think Dennis Hopper ever saw Texas Chainsaw Part 1. If my, mm. That was my take watching that movie for, like, when I was younger. And even watching it now, it's like, I get to be this kind of avenging guy. And I feel like Toby Hooper kind of was, like, egging that on. Like, but there's a part oh, totally. where, where he's, like, buying the chainsaws and he's, he's like got the guy with no teeth <laughs> oh, who's right. essentially having an orgasm seeing him chop up that tree trunk. Yeah, that's yeah. a pretty remarkable And then when scene. you realize he's Sally and Franklin's brother and, like, he's, like, apoplectic when he finds a, what he is supposed to be Franklin's wheelchair. If you've seen Texas Chainsaw 1, I think Franklin is the lead, is the right. character you want most to die. Well, yeah, but it is still, it's the familial revenge yeah. and very much the Texas spirit. Yeah. As we'll call it Texas justice. <laughs> yeah. But no, I do think that, you know, of course, a complete Toby Hooper egging everybody on this movie. And if you've read books about Toby Hooper's directing style, wasn't like full freaking or anything. Yeah. But he was pretty fucking crazy, too. Like, yeah. yeah. He was definitely a full tilt on the edge and stuff. I do have to Dr. say, like, Pepper and like Jeez. just going nuts there was like so. the parts like i will say like the one part with um th- th- that really messed me up was like where like her buddy or whatever oh, is the, like god it's like oh, his like face. skin is off yeah, his face and yeah. she's wearing his face yeah like genuinely made me sick to my stomach like it I was know. so fucking gross and this is one of those reasons like i, I always kind of yeah, i mean i like the devil's rejects but mm-hmm. like it you can't really make an excuse for the fact that both house of a thousand corpses and devil's rejects it's not even a Quentin Tarantino thing. They full-heartedly rip off this movie in right. every possible sense of the word. And, you know, I, I you know, and I feel like Rob Zombie did get better as a filmmaker, mm-hmm. for sure. But, like, she, they even do the thing where she, the one survivor girl is wearing the, her, like, the, her friend's face. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, it's just yeah. wholesale, like, okay, I want this scene in my movie. I want this scene in my movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of actually, I have a harder time even now watching the part with, uh, with, uh, Lou Perryman. He's the guy who gets his face cut off. Yeah. And, right. uh, because I think, it, for those who don't know, about 10 years ago, he was a victim of a home invasion. Oh, really? And he actually was killed with an axe. Oh, oh shit. That's uh, awful. Yeah, actually really, yeah. like, went, you know, pretty vicious on him. And the guy was totally, he was a, a known convict and was off his medication and drinking and stuff. And he had, uh, I mean, it's just one of those things where you kind of, like, realize, you know, he might have experienced some pretty... Right. Pretty similar to that, so it's even heavier, yeah, I guess. It's for pretty me. sad. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know, you start, you know, no, no pop up video <laughs> needed for like the crazy yeah. stuff that some people have actually gone through, like celebrities and some no. of these movies. So, but right. yeah, that was essentially the first half of that dismember. It was like yeah. the redneck horror comedy marathon, sure. right? So then we, the processed food, like yeah, you said, in yeah, the... essentially. <laughs> and then the second half was it was shocking, dark, bookended with. 
killer clowns from outer space. Yeah. I could have bookended it with aliens, but I thought it was if you watch Shocking Dark, you don't need to watch Aliens. Agreed. It's kind no, of, that yeah. would have been that would have been redundant. Um, you know, which I mean, people fucking love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah. So like, you, that was definitely a good. It crowd played really well. I liked. Sure. I liked the whole flow of that marathon. I thought. Yeah. For the most part, I thought people were really into it. It was weird afterwards. Like you know, people were kind of like, oh, you know, like they had this expectation they were just going to get like, you know, some weird like. Like super gory Freddy movies. At uh-huh. least I got that vibe from a couple people. But then the more people I talked to were like, "No, this is a really good lineup." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think too that it's a lineup that in that it's all the heart of that to me is comedy. Yeah, like and yeah. that's an important thing because how like the one thing that I always find funny in horror movies is people who start just laughing mm-hmm. like at the nature of some things, like the ludicrous, like. Like, even something recently, like, we talked about, like, hereditary. Yeah. Like, people, I went and saw them, people were, like, laughing. See, that, I would have a hard time, just because it's, like, that movie is so serious in tone. But that would seem a little weird to laugh. But people laugh at Texas Chainsaw, they laugh at The Exorcist. Right. They laugh at a lot of movies. And it, it's, what I mean is, is that, yeah, I get where you're coming from. And not that that was the curation or the intention. This is more of a fun sure, thing. Sure. But I feel like all those films have points that are kind of real weird and dark and stuff like totally. that. That it's also kind of like, well, what are you laughing at? And I think some people, you know, they go to movies. Like, I always find Killer Clowns, the scene where with the little girl is so yeah, it's very, unsettling it to is, me. And the puppet definitely. sequence with John Vernon. Um, oh, yeah. I genuinely find I mean, I, I definitely want to let, let, I want to move quickly through the, the second one because sure, I do want to talk about Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we got to kind of cut it. But, um, yep, we do. But I, I, uh, I, I do just want to say, like, on that laughing thing, um, the second one, um, the second dismember, yeah. um, you know, the, the first film they did. Uh, was Profondo Rosso, Deep mm-hmm. Red. Deep Red. Um, which uh, was funny because I had watched that earlier this month and I had to miss that one, so it worked out. The second movie, though, was um, Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Yeah. Which that what I had actually watched that movie just like three days ago um, for the first time on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about laughing. Because I haven't like, been spoiling what I've been playing Right. You yeah, totally, which I, I would prefer, you know, because I want to be surprised. I love that surprise. Just like I I loved, I never wanted to know when you were doing cult classics, like what the next movie yeah. was going to be. Like, I wanted that to be a surprise. Um, that's something you don't get much anymore, right? These mm-hmm. days, a surprise of any kind. Yeah. Um, and um, so I loved that. But, like, I genuinely, I, I, I can't imagine a world in which Lucio Fulci's The Beyond is not intended to be at least largely, po- like, comic comedic. I like, think it, that's how one of those... How is that not intentionally comedic? I think part of it is, it's when Italians, like, direct in another language. Uh-huh. So he's directing something for what he perceived to be an American audience. Right. The, the second part being is... That movie had a lot changed to the producers. Okay. Because you there weren't even supposed to be zombies in the original version of the movie. Right, Beyond. and I remember you telling me that. But it's like it's not even like the dialogue part, but it's like the gore. It what it reminded me a lot of was um was uh Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. You know, it gave me that came out the same year. Right, right. Yeah. And it gave me that feeling of this is gore. That's so hilariously over the top mm-hmm. that it's like we know we're doing this on purpose. So I just like when you have the spiders 
like eating the guy's tongue like super Dude, close people up. People were freaking out at that. If you could hear behind <laughs> you, like I bet they were. They were. Yeah, I, and the, the thing that's really funny is if you watch the first Spider-Man mm. movie, the first Tobey Maguire right. Spider-Man yeah. movie, and the part where he eats his eyeball. No, the part <laughs> where he's a uh, have gets bit by the spider, right, right. and he's like shivering and having nightmare visions. Yeah. All right, Grindhouse releasing the people who own the Beyond mm-hmm. is owned by Bob Mor- Bob Morosky, an Oscar-winning editor. He right. was the editor of. The first Spider-Man movie. Uh-huh. So there's a part, if you rewatch that Nightmare Vision where he's shaking. Right. There's the shot of a spider climbing the eyeball is actually from the beyond. That's awesome. Because he's like, well, we need some uh, kind of spider image in here. Yeah. It's like, well, I own this movie. Can we just put it in here? And of course, Sam Raimi directed Spider-Man. Sure, sure. So there's the whole That's connection really cool. between them. So yeah, rewatch the first Spider-Man. You will see scenes from the Beyond in that movie. It was like I loved because like, I when I watched I watched it with my buddy and we, like we watched it on Shutter. Yeah. Um. And you know it's fun watching stuff at home because you can yeah. like put in your little commentary and yeah. stuff. You know. But it's like just the way that like anytime anybody got any kind of an injury, it's like they're like spitting blood. Oh yeah, especially and, like, <laughs> when the guy falls from right. the thing right, right at the beginning and he's just like blood's like and we're like you know we just started making jokes like somebody stubs their toe and all of a sudden like pus starts going out of their eyeballs and it's like you know that was the approach with that film and i loved it i absolutely loved mm-hmm. the beyond and how you had like the creepy like blind girl yeah who was like sh- like you would hear like the creepy musical theme mm-hmm. and then like she would be playing that musical theme yeah. on a piano and i just loved the image of like this girl who just plays creepy music on this piano all the time mm-hmm. you know and is like super creepy she's like i want you to go away but now i'm going to have to tell you everything <laughs> it's just like so fucking funny, well though, i think like victor brought the language and stuff like that and some of like the cultural differences right. especially at this point this is the 1970s mm-hmm. early 80s yeah sure and i think a lot of it has to do with, i mean my biggest thing with Italian horror is I love it, but I always try to explain it to people. I go, I'm here for the, the visuals. Yeah. Right. There is no story. There, there's no subtlety in Italian horror. And yeah. you, you can get from, like, right. when you watch Shocking Dark and they're throwing around, like, you wop. You <laughs> right, know, like, right. all these, like, sure. super epithets, like, oh, yeah, because Italians, especially, like, Lucio Fulci and Ruggiero Diodato and all these like Italian directors play things really broadly, right? Because that's how they imagine American movies are. If you watch spaghetti westerns, it's the exact sure. same yeah, thing. 100%. Everyone is a really broad stereotype. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I do want to say that I thought I I loved the Beyond and actually thought it yeah. was very creepy too. Yeah. Oh, you no, know, I don't I don't want you know, and that was oh, one no, thing. No. Like I, some I, somebody commented on Instagram when it was like I was talking about the Beyond. It was like, oh, enjoy, I love that movie, and I was like, it was so funny, and I don't want to think like I'm saying it's funny as in like oh it's a cheesy old movie yeah. and i'm laughing at it yeah i just think that some of those parts are so over the top that they're hilarious yeah. but i actually genuinely find the idea of this hotel being a gateway to hell that's what you gotta look at it though is is that you have to be honest with yourself uh-huh. as well as you know and that's a big part of like italian horror and a lot of other films because people take them oh yeah i mean and that's yeah. why i think the beyond is a good gateway because like as much as i love no like pun city intended. <laughs> <laughs> as much as, as much as i love city of the living dead uh, i'm not gonna i guess this is a spoiler but not really mm-hmm. a big part of that is there's this girl who dies at the beginning and her boyfriend is this guy named bob right who's essentially a mentally incapacitated person what, mm-hmm. what's the nice way of saying retarded developmentally disabled yes. there you go oh and everyone just calls him a retard right and it's just played for like a broad 
very loud. Oh, right. Whoa. It's Bob. Get him. He probably killed her because he's retarded. Did not age well. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, he no, I, I think I like the way you brought that up, though. I would say that, you know, as somebody who is, like, becoming familiar with yeah. Italian horror, like, very recently, um, you know, I mean, I, I watched Suspiria for the first time yeah. over a year ago, but which has now become, like, one which of my favorite movies. Which is also the only Italian horror film with an actual story that makes sense. Right. I have argued that time and time again. It is Fulci very and basic. Argento, yeah. But it's the only one because it is basic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I would say that The Beyond would probably probably of the movies I've seen be the the gateway I would give Well people. yeah, and the other interesting thing about the Beyond, and I know we're not gonna belabor it too much, mm-hmm. is uh Lucio Fulci was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And his big thing with like this Gates of Hell trilogy he was trying to do is like well, it's it's funny. It's almost like the plot of Martyrs, where it's like, well, I want to do a movie about a version of hell, but what would hell be like for an atheist? Right. So that empty kind of open space sure. like that's like bubbling and smoky right. is what nothingness which is what yeah. he thought hell would be for an atheist i did like that that image and um, it's yeah. interesting because like you know like panos cosmatos and mandy like visually references so many movies right like, from the 80s the part in mandy where like he's in the atv and he's kind of like it's like smoking sure if you look at it in reference to the beyond it's very clearly like an hmm. allusion to that interesting and, and especially the point where he's going in that movie i to me it feels like very much that way okay cool yeah, but um, that was yeah. Those were the first two. Yeah, you know, basically, I went very heavy on Italian horror there. I went like deep red, which is a, a giallo, and a lot of people have only seen Suspiria, so it's right. like you know, let's give people a different flavor. I will say, I watched Deep Red for the first time. Um, you know, just slightly before that, um, it di- I did not respond to it nearly in the same way that I responded to Suspiria. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely need to see more Argento because as of now, yeah. I've only actually seen. Um, Suspiria and Deep yeah. Red, and Deep Red just seems to be a lot less of a coherent film as yeah. Suspiria. I would say, like he's like, there's three Jalo movies that Argento did. I would say probably the best one to watch overall would be Bird with the Crystal Plumage, even okay. though that's more of a like crime movie in a way, right, right. but it's like or a murder mystery thing. Sure, Tenebrae is like it. It I feel like it's a better movie than Deep Red. And if you want to go full-on bonkers, there's Phenomena mm-hmm. with Jennifer Connelly. I do want to go full-on bonkers. Yeah. So. Yeah, Jennifer Connelly. That is by far the most bonkers out of all. Yeah, you could choose to watch the the, uh, the Italian cut Phenomena or the even weirder U.S. cut Creepers. Creepers. Oh, Which well. is the way I saw okay. it first. Yeah. Talk awesome. about VHS memories. Um, but yeah, you're, uh, the third film um of was that society one, which i as as a movie that i had on my uh shutter list mm-hmm. was definitely planning on watching it and um, i'm really glad i had not gotten to it quite yet um because watching that movie in on the big screen like i gotta say i love society mm-hmm. um it, that was absolutely my favorite film of you know i would say I don't know. I really like Slaughterhouse quite a lot, yeah. but I would say that of both, probably Society would have to be my number one. Um, just cause like Society was a movie that, um, it didn't disappoint, you know, like yeah. I expected 
you know, I'd, I'd seen the clips, right? I mean, you can't like be into horror, into film and not have seen a few of those clips from society. Yeah. So I knew it was going to be fucking disgusting, but in a way it wasn't as gross as I thought it would be too. Yeah. But in a good way. Like there was things like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the part I was talking about with like the, the skinless face and everything that just literally made me sick to my stomach. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to look at this shit, but I don't like movies like torture porn and stuff like that's not my thing. Um, society was gross in the right way. I believe, yeah, you know, but but it didn't go so far. I always way. think of society as like a Lovecraftian Republican version of the Stepford Wives. Yeah, I could see that. I got a lot of like Get Out vibes from it yeah. as well. Well, especially um, when you realize what they're doing is they're like you know kidnapping kids right. and faking their deaths. Yeah, then they make dummies of them, they bury, and yeah. then they like eat and fuck them or yeah. fucking eat them to death. Yeah, exactly. I think they like absorb. Well, I think more what they're doing is like eating them by absorbing them. They're like right. Yeah, they're absorbing them and then they're fucking each other. Yeah, like but the way but but to them they're like fucking in like this really grotesque way where it's like they're becoming each other. I it's like Odo from DS Nine got horribly horribly wrong. My take on it had always been that. It's one like Lovecraftian entity. I could see that that's split into um, different. I was forms. talking to a guy yeah. um, who uh, might be listening actually because uh, he he actually when you brought up the podcast on the first weekend he went to both weekends oh, okay. and he got turned on to the podcast from when you mentioned it the first time. Oh, okay. So by the way, plug the podcast more because <laughs> like a lot of people don't know about yeah. it. Oh, I will like, plug the um, podcast. Yeah, more. and they 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 do want to hear about it. But so he was talking about um, and this was totally bang on. It reminded him of Slither. Oh yeah, no yeah. Slither totally rips. Totally. Well, not it's an influence. Yeah, it's sure. A rip off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that whole part where everybody's like diving into yes. him to become like, I was yeah, like I mean, oh it's, shit, it's none yeah. of the creeps mixed with a little society. And stuff. Right. Yeah. I've never seen society as super Lovecraftian in any way, except for the idea, of course, of um, the you know the familial curse and stuff like that. that I mean, Which, that's what I thought. And yeah, I love yeah, yeah. that they mentioned that they were always that, here. It's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. primordial right. entity. Sure, I sure, mean. sure. I mean, it has part of that element. I'm, I'm not saying it's like it. Like some love when people go Lovecraftian, it doesn't all have to be tentacles and whatnot. I no, mean, no, it, no. It, 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 Lovecraft's fears were fear of the unknown, right. fear of familial. Uh, you know, uh, being unable to escape those types of issues. You know, and Yuzna was one of the producers of Reanimator. Yeah, he was. And, yeah, well, and he, he was, directed Bride of. Yeah, um, but produced the first one. Yeah, right. yeah, and he was. I mean, Yuzna and, and Stuart Gordon. I mean, obviously, you know, under the Empire uh, banner, pretty much created the Lovecraftian film of the eighties and of pretty much Eternal. Since there was, I mean, it's kind of the gold standard now. But I feel like Society as a film. I mean. I always look at it as, you know, it is. It's very funny. It's the the Scream Mad George effects are absolutely insane. And it does have the, the, the very much Lovecraftian and stuff. I mean, it kind of starts as, you know, it's real. The interesting part about it is the first half is very much uh, mystery almost. I know. You know, yeah, just know. very uh, simple. I like, was really surprised at how backloaded that film was. Yeah, there's a know? lot of backstory yeah. going yeah, on there. Yeah, and, and it real slowly builds into this absolutely insane climax and that's kind of like part of the stepford wife thing too except here what i like about society more than the stepford wise is that it's not as telegraphed 
And right. there's like weird shit going on in this movie. It's never explained. Like, um, well, you don't know whether Mrs. They're... Carlin, the mom, how she's like, yeah, this mindless eating hair. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I was really curious about actually is like how that movie was sold. You know, like was it in its trailers? Was it all like was all that shit just shown? Like, no, I don't know. It was, I, I think that. it was. Well, it was sold as more of a, um, you know, because obviously they couldn't. Back then, you couldn't show a lot. There right. was no green and red band. Yeah. You know, the trailers yeah. the way we understand now. Like, really, it was just that. It had a cool VHS. It, this was a movie that was essentially made it for home video. Yeah, I, another one just like Slaughterhouse. Like, yeah. I remember seeing that cover so many yeah. times. Yeah, it was just a cover of the, the images of them peeling their faces right. off in the mirror. Because it is a lot about, of course, vanity sure. and class. I mean, class is the number one thing. Is is that the idea of it, what it boils down to is, is that the high society portion of it is is that yes we are the alpha beings we feast on um you know we we rid we're like a eugenics kind of thing um which i always thought was a clever idea and stuff i mean it's a very smart social commentary i mean i think there's people who interpret it a lot of different ways i mean and you can also just enjoy it for its gross outness but i i feel like society is one of those ones that yeah it's really uh yeah, underrated. Yeah. yeah, loved it, definitely. And the finale to the whole thing was um, the 4K restoration of Lucio Fulci's zombie. Which, which I gotta say, hell of a way to see that movie for the first that time. That was the way to see it. Now, uh, you know, because I know we want to talk about Halloween a little bit. I won't be able yeah, it too much. Definitely. But um, when I was doing Cold Classics over at the Royale back when it first started, we did the uh, 2K uh restoration uh that blue underground did of zombie and i hated it i was like this i i went out and i rebought my version of zombie on dvd from mm-hmm. anchor bay is like they did it with it was just done by a computer program like they, right. did, they just ran it and the whole thing has like soft lighting no grain the whole thing looks like mm-hmm. you're watching an emmanuel on vhs or yeah. something this one they went they did a 4k scan it was beautiful oh it looked like we did a the the version of deep red we did was a 4k restoration this was like 10 million times better i've seen zombie on a 35 millimeter archival print from the dutch national archive this looks better than that yeah i'm like i it's i'm sure it sounds like i'm really giving like blue underground and grindhouse releasing like the best like oh yeah fluff job i'm like no dude this is how a 4K restoration. It looked to look great, like. and again, I had never seen the movie myself, and I've heard about you talk about it. I mean, you yeah. said during the thing it's one of your favorite movies. I know it is. I've heard you talk about this movie quite a lot, um, and especially coming off of just having seen the Beyond for the first yeah. time and kind of getting the Lucci, uh, or you know, you know, or, uh, um, you know, kind of just the the style right yeah. you know like um i loved zombie like i thought it was so good so fun the oh, zombies that, were it's, terrifying it's the, yeah it's very frightening it's like you know because we're so used to like shitty reinventions mm-hmm. of zombies these are like straight up people getting killed there are people who'd never seen the zombie versus sharks scene yeah. before and I, like, that was awesome well, and i even leaned to you and i was yeah. like how how did they do this? Like this was which great. was unfortunately one of those ones that kind of suffered from like meme culture, right? Yeah. But because but when if you've never seen it before, mm-hmm. it was like what the fuck? Like yeah. it blows me away. The yeah. o- one thing I will say about Zombie that I always I'll leave this as my only thought so we can move on. But a big part about Zombie for me was it's one of the only Italian horror films. A few of the other ones were like you were talking about not like you know with City of the Living Dead and a few of them. Yeah, is is that because they go to like a small island. 
it works that there isn't a million zombies. Yeah. And, yeah. like, I always feel Burial Ground works really well this way. And so does, um, uh, there's a few others that work well. Um, uh, Zombie Holocaust, yeah. Dr. Butcher MD, uh, works really well this way too, because it's a very similar film. But I just feel like that's one thing Italians always had such an issue with was that they never were able to get that, like, Romero, um, mass, um, people. Yeah. And it, it the just, little crowds he, they get here yeah. just work because it's, like, yeah. desolate. And my favorite thing is they even do manage to get some good, um, like, social commentary in there with, um, Dr. Maynard. Like, the, the conversations he has with Lucas and he, mm-hmm. he's like, you don't believe in zombies, don't you, Lucas? No, mm-hmm. Luke. You are a smart doctor. Lucas is only a island man. You, of course, <laughs> know better. And then the way it's like done, it's like, he, that's nice. He's like placating him, but he realizes he's being insincere. Yeah. And, it, um, but, you know, I definitely want to move on to Halloween. I just want to say I love the ending of Zombie. Um, like, and I, I don't want that spoil for anybody who has not seen Zombie. Mm-hmm. I just think that ending yeah. was such a good ending. Didn't see it coming. Um, just absolutely loved it. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, just one of those sure. ones. It's, it's got a great and keeps it simple. And of course, uh, the, my favorite Frizzy score of all time. Like, it's yeah. so good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. All right. And I do want to say thanks to Jasper because he actually got me, um, for Christmas last year, he got me that poster of the Beyond signed by, uh, Fritzy. And I had never seen the Beyond mm-hmm. and I was like saving it for Halloween. And, oh, and now oh, I cool. absolutely love that poster even more now because, yeah. you know, it could have been a movie. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a shitty movie, but like, I absolutely love it. Yeah. So thanks, Jasper. Um, yeah, but yeah, let's talk about Halloween. Um, cause, uh, I, I gotta say, I, I read your review. I went to go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I read your review on cultfollowing.co and it was like you had crawled into my head. Um, cause oh, you, you absolutely, and I mean, I, I have endless, uh, respect for you as a, a horror fan. Um, because like every time, like I think I've found some little obscure little corner, you're like, oh yeah, this thing directed by um, this guy. Like you, you, you know, you really, yeah. and, I just like of all the people like I want to hear your opinion on that movie um and uh and you just like it's it's been a little divisive sure. you know like That's true. and um and I really it made me happy to hear you go to bat for the film oh yeah cuz I loved it yeah no doubt I will do way too kind I appreciate it there's a lot I'm still learning definitely don't know about horror and all things in general but I do feel um that yeah that's actually the best way to start for me is is that I did, I mean, whether people were being contrarian or genuine with it, there were a lot, I mean, a more divisiveness than I ever expected. Now, I have never been a person who is, uh, you're with us or against us, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to be with this movie either or anything. It's one of those films, and Victor has not seen it yet, um, and I'm going to keep it 100% spoiler free. What I want to just say in general is, is that I, you know, we're kind of going to go into the topic, I don't know if we'll fully have time. We may even pose it to our viewers to submit their <laughs> favorites or our listeners. Um, we'll work on the viewer thing eventually here, I promise. <laughs> but um, is the idea of, you know, there are a lot of people who do not like the sequels of Halloween. Yeah. Who no. really think that, that there was, you know, either should have done the anthology thing as Carpenter intended and Deborah Hill. Um, or, you know, it should have been that way or it should have been. This film, like, you know, definitely should have skipped. Uh, some people think Halloween 2 is very logical. Some think Halloween 4 works. I think after 5, you're going to be hard-pressed to find people sure. who are really going to defend the um, 
the the cult of thorn i mean part then, two uh, is okay just yeah. because like he didn't clearly die at the end of part one he no, got he shot up a lot um and there are things about part two that i like like how they sure. like kill a kid that's like dressed up in the same mask right like yeah. um you know so like there's certain things ben like that Tramer. yeah ex- oh that was ben Tramer. Yeah, the kid who the yeah, one the, I haven't the, seen the, Halloween Part Two in a while. So, oh yeah, the kid yeah. Who, who's in the oh, that's what that's the one that's the one who Laurie has a crush, crush on. on yeah. Right? Okay, awesome. Because I've seen Part One so much more, and I've seen Part Two. Sure. But no, that's a yeah. It's well, like one of the things that they really you know I mean back in there you know that period there there wasn't a lot like people didn't spend time going how can we connect this one back yeah carpenter didn't give a shit about it you know and so it was you know it they did the best they could mm-hmm. I, I like halloween 2 i like halloween 4 i love halloween 3 of course not as a sure. michael myers movie but sure. it's a great movie absolutely uh, absolute masterpiece but i feel like um with this film this is everything i wanted in a halloween movie. yeah everything it's exactly the michael myers High i praise. wanted yeah it's it's really is because i love halloween halloween is a film but it is, um, it's eternal, but it's also a time capsule. It works 40 years ago. It works now, but I, cause it's, you know, it very much is, um, you know, eternal. But I feel like this film, it's not like, oh, it's Halloween for a new generation. Whenever we talk about like most hated taglines or, you know, uh, kind of like overreaching statements, yeah. I don't feel that at all that that was his case. It was a film that I just went in with such low expectations, high hopes, but low expectations. Right. And it delivered, and then some. And that's what I was hoping for. Absolutely. Or that's what I was most happy about, I guess. For me, I I think just like when I think about the things I I really loved about it, um, were like, I love how they got Nick Castle to come back and play the shape. And And Tony Moran. Yeah. 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 It was, and, and they they did a really nice balancing act. Definitely, um, and I love that like he's actually credited as the shape. Um, so like that was like a really cool thing. But I I loved the idea of this like old, kind of like old man strength, you know, like version of Michael Myers. Even though mm-hmm. you know that old, that's kind of scary old man strength that 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 you kind of like. Sometimes you see like a grizzled guy, like I don't want little guy to fucking fight with that guy because that guy kicked my ass, and and it's that's the impression you get, that's the Michael Myers you get, and I love the idea of like the fact. And one one thing I found extremely interesting about the film was the mirror between Laurie and Michael, and how in a way he's uh, Michael is reactivated in that in the beginning of that film and in a way so is Lori. she is reactivated um and you know because i heard some of the 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 you know the commentary or you know criticisms of the film it's like well you know she's kind of different right it's like she starts the movie is like this recluse but then she like like leaves her house and like why would she do that but it's like i think because she was reactivated like you know in yeah. in this interesting way and then like the way that it mirrors like you have uh her granddaughter who's like in class and you've got the voice oh, of yeah. the teacher and in the same scene in part one where she would look across the street and see Michael, she looks across the street and sees Lori. Mm-hmm. So there, there are these intentional things of, oh, she yeah. has become this kind of creature in the same way that Michael has. Yeah. She, it, there's a lot of homages mm-hmm. in this film and it, they all are very effective. Yeah. It didn't feel cheap, but I just, my main thing was, is that it just went, and made the shape, not just Michael Myers, but yeah. the shape the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. Which is, you know, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes, a remorseless killing machine. 
and like death, like yeah, death incarnate, death, right? Yeah, death walking, and it's yeah. just like I like the idea of that. I just feel like you know people, and I feel like that's something that um, if there is an allure to Michael Myers, it's that. Michael Myers has no people say that about Jason Voorhees, yeah. But I feel like Jason Voorhees has a backstory has that was fleshed out right. from the very beginning yep. that you made him. Whereas Michael Myers, there is no like there's uh, none there's none of that John Carpenter Deborah Hill writing um that really kind of brings that home in the same way as like Dr. Loomis's um you know yeah. ways of describing Michael, which really, really adds to that whole mm-hmm. thing. Um but the uh I don't know, like one of the things that I absolutely loved about it was the fact that it was that he was like this otherworldly creature, but yet he also, and this is one of the things I love about the first movie, is like in the first movie, he drives around in a station wagon and follows the girls. And, you know, it's like the idea of like, just try and imagine Jason Voorhees driving a car, right? It's like yeah. a concept that you wouldn't really imagine. And I love the fact that Michael Myers does that kind of thing, and he also does it in this film. Well, yeah. So like there's those actually- ways. That was one of the smartest things I think about the original. That you know there would have been a jackass opening day in nineteen seventy eight. Who Tom how to drive a car like? Right. Oh, because there's always got to be some, that type of person. It existed before the internet. People. Right. People right. have always been assholes. Um yeah. And I really feel like that that was something that um they really just uh, you know that was the intelligence there was that you know it's like yeah this guy is. Or remorseless, you know, it's 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 primeval. It's it is unnatural, but then at the same time, it's totally it's it's functional. The shape well, is, yeah. And I think part of it too is it's not all it's not all Michael Myers that makes that work. It's the dynamic of him, and it's because Michael Myers is like Moby Dick. You know, he's like yeah, he's he's like a force of nature with right. malice. And then what makes it even worse is that there's someone who thinks they're his opposite, but are actually almost the same as him, hunting him down. Right. You know, it's like Dr. Loomis in the first one, who's you, you could argue on, on some levels just as obsessed and sim- single sure. purposed as Michael Which Myers. I will say without spoiling anything, this film kind of does as well in a very bad way. Yeah. Well, That's and, one of my biggest complaints then, about the film. And then you do have also a, uh, a Laurie Strode becomes that way. And sure. they make it into her, her role as opposed to, and, and I think they're trying to sell it in a lot of different ways, but I think Jamie Lee Curtis has made it clear as to exactly. Way, like people are making it like overreaching and right. it's just like it's very simple he just is and Lori is just is it's mm-hmm. it works so much better it is it's a great thing to say the ahab kind of comparison because it is true and then that's what it becomes um for everything and i i just feel like this film i just i don't know how to describe it to somebody it's not perfect it is not i mean my review speaks for itself and, and it but it's just one of those things where i think people are I'm not going to sit there and give it all its high praise um, because not everything is perfect. Right. No, but it's, it's it far is, from perfect. But it is what I wanted in right. the end. It's what the series needed. It's what I wanted. And I feel like as a cinephile, as a Michael Myers, as a Halloween fan, a horror fan, like this is what, you know, it was it worth waiting 40 years for. Yeah. It really well, was. And, and I think that there's there's some really clever things that they're sure. doing as well. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, the, okay, there there's certainly some I mean, really if I think about it, like the only thing I don't like is that thing I alluded to with like the the new Loomis, um, you know, which you know, that's sure. like the one thing I really don't like about the movie. But like for the most part, 
I I really appreciate most of the decisions that were made. Um, one thing that I really like was kind of this overarching theme about um, not really taking danger seriously enough, mm-hmm. right? Which is certainly something that you get a little bit of in the first movie, but just especially when you have everybody knows, everybody knows what happened in Haddonfield in 1978. It's not a secret what happened. And the fact that nobody takes it as seriously, even her family, that yeah. people don't take it as seriously, just kind of does send this interesting message about like how we have danger that surrounds us all the time and we kind of don't really ever give it the respect it deserves yeah. um, in a way because we can't because if you go around fearing that all the time you can't possibly live a good life which I believe is also talked about in the film mm-hmm. is that like you know she says like if I hadn't raised you the way I did you know you yep. know it, it's like you wouldn't be prepared for what's out there in the world yeah um, and I like the idea that's a really good point on the um, um the whole idea of like you know Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger there it's it's public people knew it happened but mm-hmm. it's not it's still a secret sure. a hidden hidden part of the past I mean in whatever. this case they're making podcasts about it you yeah. know um <laughs> and I loved that that aspect too is that yeah. like these are very much like we're doing serial you know yeah. or like we're doing making a murderer or whatever which they you know which is yeah. a, and, and it is the drive of people now is to be able to have to tell the story, yeah. So I mean, it's it's very modern and it's very retro, and it's it really does work. Really it's, brutal too. And it, but that was my yeah. main thing was I go the brutality of Michael Myers has just never come across any of the movies the way I wanted it to, and it finally did. And it's not for mindless gore or anything. Yeah. It's to be the embodiment of evil. I mean, and I'll the, say that the zombie remake, I think, sure, did a good job of that. But then it also made Michael Myers this hulking thing. As much as I love right. Tyler Maine, sure. and I feel like he did a great job. The most interesting thing I will say is my kind of final notes. We're getting wrapping mm-hmm. up on this topic. Mm-hmm. It's just the one thing I do want to say is the people I have heard who dislike this the most are Rob Zombie fans who right. feel that his Halloween is the definitive Halloween. Like I hear from more, and I'm not just saying a younger group. Mm-hmm. I'm saying in general, I've heard from a lot of people or seen a lot online where people are feeling like, um, and you don't have to have seen Halloween yet. It, it is. Without a doubt, also, it's not perfectly Carpenter. It's David Gordon Green's mm-hmm. own thing. Sure. But it is, without a doubt, much more in the mold with a modern update. And um, I feel like people are going, though, that they just, I don't know what it is. They, uh, they're just so ingrained with that zombie. I think what it is, it's it, it's a lot along the terms of that. This is the horror movie franchise they grew up with. I mean, like. You know, when this came out, like, a lot of these people were kids, so it's like, this is what they knew. Sure. Versus something like Jason or Freddy, which hasn't had a thing on the screen for such a long time until recently. it's it's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, and and to them, it's it's a lot different versus something. Because where I work, I have some uh, horror toys at my desk. I have a Freddy figure and a Jason figure. More often than not, I've had people who's like, ask me who Freddy Krueger is. Because they know who Jason is from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. I mean, you know. Or from the Friday the 13th game. No, I'm I'm laughing harder going, it's now at a point because Mortal Kombat X slash XL is out. They don't even remember the 2011 Mortal Kombat (laughs) where Freddy (laughs) was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's that was the uh, remake Freddy. It was the remake Freddy with two gloves. Even worse. Which is what made it so bad. But yeah. 
But no, that's a great point. So yeah, yeah true, true. But I love um, the way the music was used in the movie too. Oh, yeah. I got to say, like it was used so. Like one thing that um, I because I I just the other night uh rewatched Rob Zombie's Halloween, and although I I actually really like a lot of things about that movie, so um, I. uh, I, one of the things I don't like about the movie is um how the music was used because it just felt like zombie didn't understand how to use that score at all like he was like he had the carpenter music and it's like oh i guess there's a i'll just put in some music here the way that the carpenter score was used in this film is remarkable it was used with such restraint and such a a build-up so that when it actually happens it has this emotional reaction and i'll leave that as one of my final comments because i will say that's a spot on the his gorgeous some of the most beautiful cinematography too. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the editing was off in more than one or two spots. I yeah. was a little disappointed in the editing, right? But right. the the cinematography is gorgeous. But um, you know, yeah. So we're kind of wrapping up. But I do. I think it's actually better. Let's do that as an opening thing for our fan base because yeah. this is. I, I didn't know this was circling around. Josh let me in on this. That's been on like Facebook. I swear. I feel like this is organic, but I guess you know, great minds think alike. But I one question that has really surfaced here is is that if there's a horror franchise, it could be non horror too. Um, but I think horror franchises get the most right. uh, debate and drama. Is if you could pick one that you think should get the Halloween 2018 treatment, as in the, this is the direct sequel or whatever way you want to look at the continuation of a mythology or idea, what would it be? Right. Um, I'd love to hear our listeners' ideas on those because I really think I've heard I've already heard a few that are pretty creative, mm-hmm. like ones I wouldn't have thought of. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or and being able to say which Josh brought this up in our kind of pre podcast discussion is the ones where you actually your um uh, argument or your essay becomes why you don't think it needs one at all <laughs> because right. it's already perfect as right. it is. Right. Or you don't want to miss some of your favorite sequels. So, yeah, exactly. You know, because like I, I did bring up with Nightmare on Elm Street, it's like, you know, I would kind of like that. But at the same time, I don't want to lose Dream Warriors. Right. Yeah. So like that's an example. So, yeah, but I'd be interested here. And so we're uh, is it email at cult following dot co. Right. Yeah. We can yeah. set that up. If it yeah. Isn't. Yeah. I think <laughs> it, I think isn't, that's what it was. I'm too. pretty sure it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is. I think email. it was that or yeah. it was feedback. I, I think know. it's email. It's email. It's email. So email. Uh, <laughs> co is the email that's definitely too. And if you get something that says that that is a uh, bounce back and says, sorry, there's no email, then do Victor at cultfollowing.co or Joshua or Joshua or, or Kirby. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, um, maybe we can even come up with a prize pack or something for you for whoever gives the best prizes, uh, best defense there. I won a prize. I, I swear it wasn't fixed. But I won a prize at the first dismember. Uh, a, a, a super radical um, Ash versus the Evil Dead Ash. Oh, sweet! Yeah, it was yeah, awesome. He won crazy Ash from season yeah. two. Yeah, oh, that's sweet. It was awesome because, like, I so because it, it, I, I years and years of going to cult classics, I never won anything once, and then twice while you've been doing events at the Alamo, I've won. I think it was funny. And then on the second one, we had two separate guys named Kyle. That one? No, it was or, three. It was three. So there's three guys named Kyle that all won. And they were like not, they didn't know each other. Mm. It was just random guys named Kyle. It was a Kyle Spiracy. Yeah. Kyle Spiracy. It was very funny. I will say, here's one last thing I'll do uh, before we go off the air because I thought it was hilarious. So um, 
both the both the dismembers did really well. We had like about a dozen tickets or so maybe left for mm-hmm. the the one on uh this past Saturday. And I was like, "Wow, why am these sold?" Apparently, like Alamo's website like was down that entire yeah. day, so they weren't you weren't able to buy any tickets and then their like phone system went down. Yeah. So what ended up happening is they had to like reset the phones and everything to do the information and uh we were in the back trying to uh you know, do like, like record the phone thing, like for all the options. And like, um, you know, Bix, who's manages Chandler, kept trying to do like a funny voice one to make it seasonal. Right. And it was just not working out. So they've been hearing me do voices at these things. It's like, <laughs> Victor, will you, will you record our audio? So for the rest of October, I am <laughs> the voice of the Alamo Draft House. Nice. So let me see if I can pick Let's it up here. Because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> Hello, well, thank you for calling me out of the draft house of Piero. If you would like to catch a member of our concierge, press one. <laughs> if you need to leave a thrilling story with a member of our management team, press two. <laughs> if you would like to summon the spookiest of showtime, press that's awesome nice well done there you go there's your halloween uh <laughs> i just want to say i really thought it was gonna be buffalo bill like, <laughs> I, I gotta admit that's gotta be it next month all oh, right, right? So. i push too i push too hard <laughs> So yeah, there you go. Call Alamo Chandler and you will hear me do Dracula voices. There you go. All right. Anyway, I'm sure we all got stuff to do. You guys got other podcasts to listen to. If you're interested in seeing us live, we're doing Terror Tuesday in November on November 20th. And Pet Cemetery will be your main course for that evening. Uh, and then we've got lots of other stuff. Join us next time where I'm sure we're going to talk some more about Halloween, probably Suspiria. We've got all the thanksgiving and oscar bait movies coming up so stay tuned until next time i'm with your host victor moreno along with kirby nelson death has come to your little town sheriff <laughs> and joshua t Ruth. totally until next time children of the night